when I was packing our house up to move to Swanee to go to seminary, I finally looked and opened at this one particular box that I had gotten out of my grandmother's house when I was cleaning her house to, um, after she had passed away. Now, we had kept it for many years. Um, I knew that it was a special box because when I was at her house, and you know how that is when you're cleaning out somebody's house or when you're trying to pack away beautiful things or special things. I opened the box when I was there and I closed it because I knew it was special and then we moved it. And we moved it to um, our home that we were living at the time and then we moved it to the condo where we were living at the time that I was called to go to seminary. So I always knew the existence of this box. I always had a place in my heart for this box with the idea that there was special things within it. But it was not until the days before we moved that I actually opened it and looked inside. And what a treasure I found. Now it was definitely not gold or jewels or anything like that. You see, my father was an only child and he passed away when I was in college and he was raised by a single mother who got divorced in the 40s, back in the time when that was not a, pop, a popular thing to do. And so I, and then all of his relatives, like his father and um, my great aunt and uncles, those type of folks, they had all passed away before I was a little child. And so I really didn't know that much about his family. And so what I found in here were the documents of my great grandparents that they had kept from their great-grandparents over the decades of their life. And so there were things in there like the shipping logs. I don't know which ship it was, but it clearly had to have been one of those listed that had come here to the United States in the 1860s when the family immigrated here. And there were things there like my great-great-great-great-grandmother's book that she used when she became a teacher. And it was the things that she wrote down. I think there were like 37 states at the time. So she was learning her geography to become a teacher at a one-room schoolhouse. And then I found something that was truly remarkable. You see, my great-grandfather and my great-grandmother's name are Emil and Sarah Capon. Now, that's a strange name. And there's a bunch of Capons that immigrated from the Hungary, Eastern European area of the country. And they immigrated into all places, Kansas and Wisconsin. And so this was the family that I found. And in that box, was a Saturday Evening Post article from the 1950s of Emil Capon, a chaplain in the Army. And he had been a chaplain in World War II, and he was also a chaplain during the Korean War. Now, what was remarkable about this, now I know he wasn't my great-grandfather because he was a he was a Roman Catholic priest. So likelihood, he's probably a cousin. Somebody a couple times removed. 
And he was from Kansas. And what the Evening Post article wrote about was him as an army chaplain because he died as a POW during the Korean War. And it talked all about his service. During the Korean conflict, Father Kapon was assigned as a chaplain to the 3rd Battalion, 8th Cavalry Regiment. Now, some of you history buffs may re recognize that, that regiment because it was one of the first group of men to cross the 38th parallel into North Korea. And they actually came within 50 miles of the border of China. Now, during one of the battles, however, he was captured. And he could have actually escaped, but he decided to stay with the wounded as he had done before throughout his service. And after they all were captured, he actively stepped in to stop the execution of the wounded. And he then ignored the orders of the Chinese soldiers to leave behind those who could not walk and he organized his fellow POWs now to carry them on the 80-mile march to the, to the camp where they would be imprisoned. Now, during his time in service, and especially in that POW camp, Father Capon ministered to the sick, and he stayed with the dying, and he held church services, and he provided food and care, and he would even give away his own food to those who were in need. And at the POW camp, he led the soldiers in acts of defiance against their captors. And he was therefore credited by all who served with him of keeping up the morale of the prisoners. And he became well known throughout Southeast Asia for his life of faith. That is why when he became ill himself, his captors put him in an isolation unit because they knew he would die and he did. And so he has received many military honors, including the Bronze Star and the Medal of Honor, and he is also considered a martyr. He has actually been declared a servant of God, which is the first step in canonization to sainthood in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I had no idea that the pastorship had run in through my family. And you can imagine how special this was to find days before I traveled to Swanee to go into seminary. I share that story with you because I believe that Father Capon's life is the epitome of what's at the heart of the readings for today. Courage in the face of darkness living out our faith in face of opposition and ridicule. It takes tremendous courage sometimes to stand up for what is right. And it takes crazy courage sometimes to face a crowd or a mob or an oppressive government. And so the readings for today, don't miss it, they speak to that kind of courage. Courage to speak when even our friends and our families think we are a little bit crazy. 
And you find that special courage in folks who are crazy for Jesus, the crazy courage that comes down from deep within and is fed by the very Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And it shows up in Acts, where we no longer think of ourselves, but we only think about God and others. You know, we say it all the time, that we are baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful. I love to remember and to remind people that we have the promise of heaven. We are baptized into the resurrection of our Lord, and we can stand assured as we live on this earth where we will be in the next. But sometimes I think that we need to remember also that we are baptized into the life of Christ. And sometimes that life is not an easy task. Now, I am certain that Jesus had the beautiful, full, abundant life with many times of joy with his family, with his friends, and his community. But after his ministry started, it seems that the more that he preached to the crowds, the more healings he performed, the greater the darkness and the oppression he faced. His ministry got harder and harder as he preached against and began having clashes with the leaders as he talked about oppression and injustice in this world. The more he stood up for the things of God, it became clear that his message of the kingdom of heaven was in direct odds with the messages of this world. And I'm not talking just about government and religious leaders here, but also the people. He called into question every single person that he met, how they lived their lives and the priority of their lives. And he did not do it just with words. It permeated every aspect of his life. And so people began to think he was crazy, even his family. That's why we see that living the life of Christ is not for the faint of heart. Because sometimes we may be called to be at odds with the world, to speak up when we know that some or many will reject our message, will reject our call to do things in a different way, to live as the citizens of the kingdom of God, as opposed to any citizenship in a kingdom that may be of this world. You know, our kids in VBS learned this past week, following Jesus changes everything. And that is so true. Because you know there are all sorts of little situations in the spheres of our own lives where we have the opportunity to practice the crazy courage of faith and love. And I've seen it in children, where they come to the aid of others who may be bullying somebody. Or I've seen it in people coming to the aid of others who live on the fringe, reminding them that they are a child of God, respecting their dignity respecting the dignity of every human being. 
And I've seen it in families, and it can happen in work, and it can happen in school, and it can happen in our community. Sometimes it takes crazy courage to maintain our life of faith at the risk of being held in disdain or ridiculed. To maintain our life of faith is it can be a risk of separation of family or even friends or even community. And sometimes we may have to maintain our life of faith even in the face of death. You know, this is tough stuff. Following Jesus isn't always an easy road. And it won't be an easy road for every single person who lives here or who's here because we are all called to uncomfortable situations, to live in faith, and to help others in the way that God would want us to. But remember what our Lord said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is a special place. Now, if these times are probably what I really should say to you all is when these times come. My prayer is that you and we are all grounded in our faith and love for Jesus through his Holy Spirit, who is always with us and within us, sustaining us, giving us strength and courage to face our fears as we live fully into our life with God. And I also pray that we encourage and love one another who are called to act and speak in a way that is at odds with the world. They need our prayers, they need our love, and they need our spoken support. And perhaps most importantly, I hope that we prayerfully consider whether the message of these crazy people living their faith as they look to God that we consider whether they may be bringing or living what they what they are bringing or living in words indeed might just be a message that we ourselves need to hear in Christ's name I pray amen <laughs>